Welcome to the Thinklings Podcast, a conversation where good thoughts help renew the mind with the Word of God. I'm Charlie Carter, and I'm here with Tim Little and Andy Stearns. Let's jump into the conversation. Welcome to the Thinklings Podcast, and we're in this episode, we're going to do something new, and we're calling it a Drinklings Podcast, which, uh, not to be confused with other drinks, we are sipping coffee. We brewed oh, yeah. some coffee. Good which, coffee. While we're talking That's about really it, good. what what coffee, we have two different types. What are we drinking? Mine? Mine's, uh, I think, a Colombian or Guatemalan. Actually, I'm not really sure. You roasted it yourself, though. But I roasted it. It's it was a, good. It's a South American. Yeah, South American. I thought it was pretty good. Was that in this one? Or was no, that this one over there. Okay. I, I haven't had that yet. I've had this one. It's good. It's not bad. I had a half cup of that. It was pretty so good. So the one I'm drinking, so we have Tim's Home... Something. What is something, it? What's it called again? Roasted. Roasted. Home, Home roasted, roasted. Mystery blend. It's, it's Guatemalan or Colombian. It's the Mysterium. Guadalumbian. I think it's Guatemalan. <laughs> Guadalumbian? You're horrendous. Guadalumbian. Yes. You guys Columba. are. Okay, let's keep how, going. How would you Columba Mala. So, Kamala. Stearns, what did you bring? <laughs> that sounds like Kamala Harris. My, my kids uh, know that I like blue beans, so they got me a bag of blue beans house blend, which is an intelligentsia mm. coffee. So, I'm, I'm reading the description. The house blend is designed to showcase the intrinsic sweetness and lively fruity flavors that characterize our favorite coffees. Milk chocolate, mandarin, and apple tastes. It's not are, milk chocolate. No, but it's it's really good. I'm I'm really like interested. Like the mandarin apple, maybe a little bit. It's got like a little bit of sweet. What's its I, origin? I really like it. Uh, it didn't say that. I couldn't. I, the bag's God. at home. Jesus Horrendous. has created all things. I don't know what the origin is. I, I left the bag at home. Mm. I was not prepared for maybe it. It doesn't, it doesn't give origins. Maybe they get it from a few different places. So what we're going to do on Drinklings episodes, it's going to be like kind of a pared down... Pared down is not a good way of saying it. We're just, we're just going to sip coffee and we're just going to talk about life a little bit. We're still going to talk about books and all those things that we do, but it's kind of just meant to be a little bit less formal and just, so there, there's not really, the, the main content of a Drinklings episode is the Drinkling. Like we're, we're just sipping coffee and talking. So there's not going to be anything crazy going on later in this episode. Uh, so got a couple of announcements for you. This season... We are going to uh, walk through the four loves and we're not, did we decide we're not going to do that as, we're not going to do them all in order. We're going to like split them up a little bit. I don't know, but I need more coffee. Can you hand me the picture? (laughs) I think what we were- Drinkling in full- Listeners, we do listen to your feedback. And when we did our Abolition of Man series, we did four episodes in a row. No, three episodes in a row. There's three chapters on abolition. And then we did three interviews in a row. And I think some of you liked a little more variety. So this time, I think what we were thinking about trying is breaking it up a little. So if you're buying a copy of Four Loves and you're going to walk through it with us, we're going to drop an episode and we'll have a couple of regulars or one, one or two. And then we'll we'll kind of space out a little bit, see how you like that better. Um, Maybe some sprink- you, sprinkle in a drinkling here and there. Yeah, seriously. You know, head on over to the Green Dragon and grab a pint. They didn't have pints at the Green Dragon. They didn't have coffee, unfortunately. Yeah. They had other beverages. They had other things. All right, what are we doing here? What's next? So, uh, the announcement about the four loves, which has got us on, let's roll up that ball of yarn. <laughs> Dr. Boyd, my favorite phrase of his. That's right. No one else but Dr. Boyd. No one else. Horrendous. Keep um, going. So, uh, what does that even say? Disclaimer. Oh, yeah, that's right. So, we have a free copy of the four loves to give away, oh. and you, Thinklings listener, can win it. And so, the way that you will win that 
is you have to send us a Thinklings themed haiku. So what is Thinklings theme? It has to have something to do with our podcast, our books and business. It doesn't have to mention us, but you know, you'll get brownie points if you do. Uh, and so a haiku is three lines, five syllables, seven syllables, five syllables. So you can send a Thinklings themed haiku to thinklingspodcast at gmail.com. And our top favorite, we will give a free copy of the four loves. And then we'll post some of our other favorites to our social media and stuff. So go ahead, send us, send us multiple if you want. We're reading the four loves. So you can, you'll say you can enter four times. How's that sound? (laughs) Sounds Um, great. And uh, so along with that, we do want to give a little disclaimer about four loves as we've started reading through it and preparing these episodes. We kind of just want to temper your expectations. Maybe haven't we all read this before? No. Yes. You haven't read no, it? No, that's the thing. I, oh. When when we decided to do this three, four months ago, I wanted to because I wanted to read it, uh-huh. and I, I made n- a number of assumptions about the content. Mm-hmm. I knew it was about these four Greek words, uh, but I also know you had read it, and you had read it, and I there was a class I took, mm-hmm. and it was like an, a, an a la carte choice, and I, th- I thought, oh, this is going to be a no-brainer, so... And so it, it ended up being wanna, not a no-brainer. Would you, would you like to... <clears throat> Make our official, if I had like a sound drop, like, you know, like a PSA, like official, like, what is our official public disclosure? Noise. Or what, what is our, what is our disclaimer? I think I would, I'll, I'll make a disclaimer. You make a disclaimer. We all make a disclaimer. I would just say that if you read Abolition of Man, and then you saw the title of Four Loves, and you realize Lewis is going to go through the four words for love in Greek, you would probably think, oh, this is going to help me know how to be a loving Christian or how to love better. You might think it's like, I think you said like devotional, like yeah. a theological devotional and listener. This is like, what would we say? Philosophical. Is yes. that a good way to say it? And so when I read abolition of man, I read it with Tim the first time, 12 years ago, Tim and Dr. Schrader up at central and yeah. pastor Danny, Danny Capon. Yep. Mm-hmm. The four of us. And uh, we were reading paragraph by paragraph, talking about it, trying to sort it out. Mm-hmm. And in the end, it was a really good book. Yeah. But when I got into this a couple weeks ago, I was just reading it before bed or when I was doing other things. And I realized I need to like sit down and digest. And yeah. so listener, you're, you're probably going to want to get, I would say, I think this is what you were saying off air, Charlie. This is a good group book. Yeah. Yeah. I think what I would say, we were talking about this before we hit record and I would say that I made the statement, the only low-hanging fruit of Lewis yeah. is Narnia. And what I mean when I say low-hanging fruit is like, you don't really need to have your mind engaged to get like, oh, yeah. the lion, the witch, the wardrobe. Like, you know, like there are some of the latter books where, you know, it's a little bit more thinky, but it's it's a story. It's, it's, it's for kids. It's not meant to be. And, you know, I think you pick up, oh, four loves and a Christian might assume it's like a devotional or popular, popular level or, or even exegetical. Like he's working from a biblical text. He talks about a couple of Bible passages, but it's not not... exegetical. Oh, very funny. (laughs) (laughs) He's trolling us over there. Yeah, he did. Listener, He totally got me and Charlie. He, 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 that was a trigger. Which usually it's the other way around. (laughs) He's like, Oh no, he does. He, that was a trigger. It was. That's a trigger warning. That's a microaggression. Stop virtue signaling. Um, anyway, um, Wow. He should read it with a uh, company of the same gender. Guys, guys, girls with yeah. girls, maybe. Yep. Especially uh, certain chapters. Especially certain, well, whatever. But the, um, 
you know, you might come across even thinking Lewis is a bit of a sexist, as you, according to our modern definition or of a sexist. Just correct. <laughs> so it's definitely thought provoking, and I think you'd find it you'll find it helpful. So I would yeah. I would strongly recommend reading it. I, I would say my disclaimer is recognize it's not written as a popular book. Yeah. It's not written yep. as a devotional book. I would look at it as like he's making a dictionary entry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Love. I, re- I really like your Love is on the description, page. And Charlie. then he like gives yeah. the first two chapters, his preface and introduction is like caveats to his definitions. And then he gives you four definitions of love. Yep. And then he, as he defines them, he gives you like anecdotal experiential illustrations of what mm-hmm. he's meaning. And you do have to take your time. Yep. It's not a... It's not a breeze through it in a day yeah. type of a thing. The other thing that's maybe worth noting is the history of it. He prepared this originally as four talks for the radio. And if you get on YouTube and go to C.S. Lewis Doodle, you can look up the four chapters and they have the audio of C.S. Lewis himself reading it. Mm. Um, and I found, I found that I was really confused and I went out to clear the driveway the other day. And I fired up my Alexa app on my iPhone to read the Kindle book to me. And hearing it audio, I thought was better. You could tell this is a talk. Tim, you said... It's a conversation. Yeah. Yeah. It's more of a conversation, so... And I would say one thing about what you said, Charlie, there's the only low-hanging fruit in Lewis is Narnia. I would say that in Paralandra, though, there's all that low-hanging fruit that (laughs) ransom. Oh, brother. And and that comes up... In the four yes. loves, because he talks about Venus. All right, doesn't yeah. he? Yes, he does. Now and, who's trolled Tim? And, and that and, and that comes up in multiple of the Ransom trilogy books. I would character. also say that the book is really written from a masculine perspective. Um, several of the chapters, particularly the friendship and the eros sections, uh, a female uh, reader is probably not going to find as I don't know intellectually stimulating or maybe even somewhat offensive um so but yeah. f- if you have like a group of guys like four or five guys uh, i think you would be uh, uh highly you find high uh four loves highly beneficial i but, do i do think that that i think a a, a group of women could read yeah. the, fr- yeah. the friendship chapter mm-hmm. and if you to use his own terms you would need to recognize that the infrastructure of a female friendship is very different than the infrastructure of a male friendship. Like just the, just yesterday I was bonding with two guys over like hunting and killing things. Okay. And like, Oh, look at the meat we have in the freezer type of a conversation. That's not typically a feminine discussion. It's a generalization. And I say it's a valid generalization. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think he would, Lewis would say the infrastructure for female friendship is different, but it exists nonetheless. Mm-hmm. So you, you would have to be probably a little bit more creative and imaginative as you read that chapter to think about how it would apply in a different gender setting. But, and again, and that's just the, 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 the nuts and the, or the details. Cause of course, there are women who hunt and like to hunt. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're right. not saying that. We're just saying that as he uses illustrations, you're going to notice. You're going to notice that. I, I will probably not marry someone who can't gut a deer. Wow. That's like a non-negotiable. Wow. Okay. Not really, but yes. <laughs> All right. That's a... a very rare subset of... Oh, know, rare. Oh, good job. You're out there and you know how... <laughs> anyway... <laughs> That was good. So, uh, was by the time we drink two pots of coffee today, guys, this is going to be <laughs> a crazy Welcome to episode. the Drinklings Podcast. <laughs> so, Lis- listener Tim does get pretty excitable when he's got a lot of caffeine. That's why I got to drink it all now. So by the time we get to the Eros chapter recording, then it's all <laughs> oh, we're just oh way through. Word. 
So, Tim, you want to transition us to the next thing here? What are we doing next? Oh, yeah, books and business. Something like no, that. No, we have something before that. Oh, what is that? We created a new system where oh, there's a highlight right. the of emails. your color. That's right. Okay. And, and there's a specific email from a, a guy who has your same name that we want to mention, right? All right. So Tim Pilcher wrote us a little while ago, um, uh, and and we we brought up this one. I brought, I mentioned this one thing. We were like, hey, what's God doing in your life? I just kind of threw that out there to the guys. And it's like, hey, so what is God doing in your life? And Tim kind of liked how we just kind of talked about you know, um, even our struggles, we don't have everything figured out. And, uh, so we thought we would come back to that and just kind of revisit it. So what is God doing in your life? Yeah. I have a car in the shop again. So that's fun. It's been uh, quite the the trial for you for the last uh, six months or so. It's a good reminder that we live in a world created that is in decay Mm -hmm. and even the best of what we can produce, which is mechanical, will break down. And that's just not to, I, I sometimes get a little peeved, like when people like try to over theologize things, but in a re, in a very real sense, it's a great perspective to just everything mechanical that you own, any technology you own will break down your iPhone, your MacBook, your CRV, like four times it will have- happen. I had a friend that did not have Bible software because they change it all the time and he didn't want to spend his time constantly relearning Bible software. He just wanted to use the books. I thought that was interesting perspective. There is some validity to it, but at the same time, I think that at least some of the Bible software can save you so much time. It's worth the investment of learning it. Um, I remember Bible software can't burn like... Your laptop gets destroyed. You technically do still have it. You just need another way of accessing it. If the book burns, it's like, oh shoot, yeah, book, book gone. Or I don't, I don't think I've ever had a book burn, but I have had them get destroyed in other ways. Mm-hmm. A guy I went to seminary with, uh, who is, is a missionary in Kenya. He graduated around the time that is like a year before me, and he had all his papers and stuff on his laptop and his laptop got stolen or whatever lost and he didn't have any of that backed up to the cloud. So it's very hard, very hard. But even then he was able to recover his Bible software and all that notes and all that. So So to roll up that ball of yarn to the initial question. So what is that trial of my things breaking down doing? It is helpful to remind you of who's really in control and when those things don't go your way, you react in fleshly ways and that reveals to you like, Hey, you still need, you need to trust the Lord to be different. You don't want to be like this. So I think for me, um, I've just been seeing how you can do a lot of good things that are good. Uh, but I've been challenged on the idea, am I doing those as like a, to serve the Lord? Or am I just like, I want to do that because it's right or whatever. And so the idea of serving the Lord has been on my mind lately. So we're trying to make a decision on what to do next. Like you can be want to be really productive. You can want to get a lot done and that's not wrong. And I don't want anyone who's like trying to be productive to navel gaze on this one. But there are times where I can see where. What did you just say? Navel gaze. Navel gaze. Gazing at your navel. You never heard that? Like I don't think it's your belly button. Yeah, I have never heard of that. I don't think. Okay, okay. What does that euphemism mean? It's like, so, 
it, it means like uh, you're pondering something for a long time. You're that's like a waste. It's like um, how many <laughs> angels can dance on the head of a pin? Like that's the idea. Like you're just you're thinking about something that's worthless. Okay. Well, or you're thinking about something that can't really produce uh, a valuable practical insight. So Dorothy Sayers actually changed my mind on that question. I think that they use that as a as a tool of teaching logic rather than the actual question itself. Yeah, no, and I'm I'm not yeah I'm not trying to go in the weeds on that one. I'm just saying, if you are trying to be productive, good, continue to do that. That mm-hmm. is a good thing. But if but all you're for doing, for me, I've started to see, am I am I trying to be productive so that I can get a lot done and feel happy with my day, or am I actually trying to say, God, I want to serve you? So for me, it's just been a I'm thinking about serving the Lord more and. Could we, could we make a Thinklings t-shirt? That's just a plain t-shirt, but it has a belly button on it. <laughs> and horrendous. then next to the belly button says, stop navel gazing, read a book. <laughs> You're horrendous. I just, I'm not going to name drop the person who said that to me because I don't know if they're a listener, but Please if, tell if me. you're that listener you know who and you, you are. said that phrase to me. Can you, can you tell me what their I'm name sorry. rhymes with? Okay, come on. Let's keep going. <laughs> All right. So um, let's see here. Uh, <clears throat> that's right. What has God been doing in your life? Um, and so I was, uh, I participate in our children's ministry every Wednesday night. And as a result, we miss prayer meeting. Um, but during the Christmas break, we get to participate in prayer meeting because our children's ministry is not going on. And it was really nice to get together with, um, some of the men in our church and to just talk and share one another's burdens and, uh, and pray together. And I forget how much like I miss that. It's actually an important component of the Christian life to get together, particularly with other men and spend some time in prayer together. I was just reflecting and talking to them. It was just like, you know, it's really been kind of a time of spiritual, um, uh, desert. I've been like spiritually famished. I just haven't been able to get involved in as much Bible studies or discipleship. And it'd been like three or four weeks and we go through various periods of that. And, um, as we talked about, uh, just our own spiritual walks, I, I, I think it was just even an encouragement as I admit that and talk to them about it to remember again, Hey, you know what I need to do? I need to invest in people. I need to have people in my office and disciple, which for me personally, you know, discipling somebody else and, and meeting with them and getting into the word together, that's actually an important part of my spiritual walk. Um, it's not just me helping somebody else. It's helping me. Uh, and ever since I'd gone to ETS and SBL and then Thanksgiving was right after that. And then I got sick after that. And it was like a whole pile of stuff and there was no discipleship going on. And I just felt that was something that was missing. I think it was creating this spiritual vacuum where I, I was spiritually famished. And then to kind of like bust it all off, we had our live nativity at our church. And uh, then the live nativity um the first night on friday night did you make it to all three nights no we had something going on the second night so the second night was the really cold night sorry everybody (laughs) we weren't bailing because it was cold we were bailing because something else was going on it was all foreordained um it was all what uh the first night i was there i had stop navel gazing i had a uh it was cold (laughs) And so somebody was can't coming around and they're like, hey, is anybody want coffee? And I'm like, yeah, I'll take coffee. I mean, it was cold. So I was like, I'm going to drink it regardless. I'm like, do I have decaf? And I didn't really inquire further. 
whether or not it was decaf. Oh no, it was not. Oh Tim, you're not good at caffeine at night. No, I'm not good at you, caffeine. You you like night. go insomniac. I oh, know this about I you. I was up till four in the morning, oh, man. No. I mean, and I was like bright eyed, wide awake. I oh, mean, there no. was no sleeping going bright-eyed on. Bright eyed and bushy timed. I just sat and I got a ton of reading done, man. I I read like one book and like half of another one, and the one book I read it wasn't like getting That's all so of it. Funny. Oh wow! Because at night, yeah. if I if I'm like tired and I try to read, yeah, I'm out. Yeah. But if I'm not tired, I'll know I'm no. not tired because I can yeah. keep reading. I mean, I was just on my Kindle. It. I was on a Kindle book and I just like boom, boom, boom and <clears> flying <throat> through the one book. I forget. It was some psychobabble piece of trash book. So I didn't read it really, really well. And then I started reading. I'm like, I'm going to read some fiction book. And I did. I pulled up this fiction book, which I'm going to talk about later. <clears throat> but anyway, that provided an opportunity to be sanctified the next day. Mm. Oh, because you're tired. Because yeah. I was very tired. And then you just uh, yep. you don't want to deal with anything. Yep. And so we had a good conversation. At least you don't have like a lot of kids. <laughs> when you, oh, wait, you do. <laughs> and we had a very he busy the day the next day. <laughs> <laughs> you're horrendous. Um, and we had a very busy day the next day too. We had multiple Question. things going on. If he calls me horrendous when I'm quoting him, is that in essence him telling himself that he's horrendous? You just, it's a reflexive horrendous. You just you just twisted what I was doing there. That's all. I think sure that a, was horrendous. I think that's an actual true middle usage. Deponent. <laughs> <laughs> and to that we say, oh my. Oh my. Horrendous. <laughs> so we're we're just uh thanks Tim uh Tim Pilcher for writing yeah. in and uh asking, "Hey, what's God doing in your life?" And it's good for you even to hear, "Hey, guess what? We are still growing and we go through times of uh spiritual i'm forgetting the word like dryness or a spiritual a spiritual uh, drought drought I think. a spiritual yeah, drought works. yeah and and uh we want to encourage you if you're maybe going through one of those times to uh get into the word and disciple somebody uh or just say hey buddy let's get together and uh, get into the word for a little bit um and and be rejuvenated uh, spiritually i will say I've had the same experience at our church with prayer meeting because I'm in the same kids ministry you are and we'll go to prayer meeting and it will be sometimes the first time in four months I've had like a legit conversation with someone at church because you're just so busy. You're so busy. Like a spiritual conversation. so busy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so we'll talk, I'll find out what's going on in their life and then it's been nourishing. And then the other thing I would say is in those dry times, it's always funny to me when I will hang out with another believer who's not dry, who's like walking with the Lord and they don't know that I'm having a dry time. Right. And just being around them. It's encouraging to you. It's, it's both encouraging. It's convicting. It's, 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 it's like, uh, there's it's like, like what an, the body of Christ is supposed to be doing for itself. Yeah. Yeah. And so sometimes like if things are not going well, go mm-hmm. get around someone, just drink right. coffee with them mm-hmm. and just be around them. Yeah. So, Tim, you mentioned you were reading a book the other day. That's what we're kind of going to do for the rest of the episode. We're going to talk about things we've been working on, reading over break. Mm-hmm. This is a couple days after Christmas. Um, well, we're going to post this today. So, yeah. it is today, um, so, <laughs> which is also a couple days. Existentially, it will always be oh, today brother. for the listener. Yes. <laughs> well, what is a listener? <laughs> oh, my word. Anyway, um, so, Tim, what were you reading that night you couldn't sleep? Uh, is that the book you're talking about? Yeah, the see, I pull it up here again. Uh, she walks in beauty uh, by Siri Mitchell, which 
messed up uh, Andy's I turned that off. <laughs> Siri earlier. I think that's how you say her name. S-I-R-I, Siri Mitchell. Yeah. Siri he Mitchell. literally turned on my Hey Siri on my laptop. It yeah. was nervous. I'm glad I know that now, though, so it doesn't happen in class. I forget what the other title of, of what the other book was. The one that I blasted through, that was the Psychobabble one. But um, I'll have to look that up again and talk about mm. it sometime. Uh, but this one I started, and uh, it's just a Christian uh, romance novel. And you're like, why in the world are you reading Christian romance novels? Well, because I read my a, favorite uh... kind of novel. <laughs> <laughs> when was the last time you read a Christian romance novel? Wait, did you say Tim Chris, is a... Did you say Christian romance navel or Christian romance novel? <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Tim is a <laughs> Tim is a Renaissance man. That's why he lists, he reads Christian. Well, I don't think a Renaissance man would be reading that. <laughs> I've read secular. What are you doing? Are you so? It's called "She Walks in Beauty." She walks in beauty. It was like a free book. No, no, I'm I'm, oh, I'm reaching around my mic to look. I thought the book you were up. recording this. I was like, I got to no. play nice now. Okay. I, she walks in beauty. Yeah. So, like these Christian romance novels that come out all the time, and uh, every once in a while they'll have some promo where they're free. And I used to say, "Hey, free book!" So I would sign up and grab one. And then I was like, "I'm never going to read these books," so I quit getting them because they kind of cluttered up my Kindle wow. ebook thing. And and so, with, but this was one that I just had in my library. So I was just kind of blasting through trying to find some Christian romance novel. Uh, I figured, hey, you know what? I haven't read one in a long time. I don't know if I had ever read one actually. And uh, and so it's kind of in your field. Of it what is you're in my field. Yeah, because it's it's exactly and and this one is set to the uh, late eighteen hundreds. Uh, corsets were a big deal, and and she talked about the health hazards to corsets, which is interesting actually, because it's basically like a historical fiction set in the late 1800s. I think the author had done their homework on it. Um, but you know, it was a fascinating, uh, very romantic movement kind of a, a book. Um, a lot of people are marrying for wealth. Everybody wants to marry this one wealthy guy. And uh, this one girl chooses not to marry the wealthy guy and marries his brother, which is kind of funny to me because it's not like he was poor, <laughs> but uh, whatever they married for love, whatever that is, and um, so anyway, it kind of even connects with our discussion of the four loves. Uh, it was actually fun. Uh, like I read another uh, novel. Like I mean, Amazon has these first reads. Are you guys familiar with Amazon first reads? No. And they're or, I, I don't ever sign up no. or get any of them. Uh, but uh, I did. I think back in November, I got the, a widow, some widow book. I don't remember. It was boring. Like. Mm. It was supposed to be basically this gold digger woman was uh, going and marrying a guy and going up the political ladder in Washington, D.C. And it was really pretty stupid. It was, you know, profane. There was some of that and there was not a lot of really dirty stuff. It wasn't too bad, but the story was dumb. That's what I'm kind of trying to highlight here. Whereas this story was actually engaging. It was kind of fun. Uh, and I see the appeal uh, there. Uh, but it really created some co good conversations with my wife as well, uh, and just w how these these stories affect women and um, and their idea of love and romance. So anyway, she walks in beauty by Siri Mitchell. Yikes! <clears throat> yeah, it's. Uh, I looked at the cover of it. It's a interesting book. So okay. So then, what am I reading? I'm going to do two things. One is not on the list. So when we were interviewed by Theologic on reading habits, that episode should be dropping this week? in like three days. Yeah. The 30th? Yep. Sean Mushkin on that podcast said that he uses an app called Bookly. 
And so I downloaded Bookly. I'm going to do it right now. And I've literally used it. I have a 24 day reading streak going on right now. And there's, it's like a $30 a year app or whatever. And I'm like, I'm not going to buy this app. And then they offered, Hey, 80 bucks lifetime membership. I'm like, I'm not going to, but it's really kind of cool. And then they're like, Hey, $20 on sale. They keep like throwing these things at me. Well, I finally caved in when I got a $15 lifetime. No year. I'm it's, Mm, it's like a dollar 27 a month or something like that. But, um, I've, I've finished a book with it. I'm halfway through another book. I'm in the middle of three other books. So that's anyway, that's been kind of fun Uh, bookly. And it, 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 Charlie, we, we've done like reading. We're trying to count our reading. You had that notebook where you, yeah, this thing has worked flawlessly and it's given me all kinds of number crunchy data things. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to try to use it as long as I can. And I'll give you guys an update, but it's been kind of fun. We're not getting, and there's no kickback. They're not sponsoring yet. Podcast. Not a sponsor. I'm not a sponsor, but that, that's been kind of fun. So, all right. So here's what I did. Who so does I does sponsor our podcast. The Faith Bookstore. <laughs> not <really>. My wallet. <laughs> not I feel really. like as many times as I've mentioned Honda, I should get a kickback. <laughs> I don't think that's the kind of sponsorship they're after. So this break I read, I've been working through The Meaning of Marriage by Tim Keller. I'm not ready to give an update, but I'm liking a lot of it. I will say this. I talked to a friend of mine who... Uh, he's read a bunch of marriage books and I said, Hey, have you read this? It sounds like really good. And he says, yeah, uh, it's a pretty good book. You'll be blessed by it. I don't mention it because of some of Keller's recent views. And I would say Tim Keller's, uh, landed on maybe what you might call the woke side of things. So, um, I, so far I'm like halfway through and I'm really liking the book and it's been putting me in the crosshairs of my heart desires and motivations. And it's been good for me and bad pain feeling kind of way. Um, so I've been working through that and then I started, natural uh blackwell natural theology I, i've started a bunch of heady books for possible future future phd studies but here's what i really want to talk about i decided <clears throat> that i'm going to read my kids a book over christmas break and i thought well, what do i want to so i talked to robin and i'm like what do you think about Redwall, hobbit and she's got a really good read on reading levels she's done some research like what what kids at this age can handle this and there's these websites that you can put the book in and it will say this is good for mentally if they're like eight years old it's good but interest wise they need to be about 12 like they're they do these two anyways so i pulled them out the first day or second day of christmas break and I said okay guys dad's gonna start reading a book with you over christmas break you want to read Redwall or you want to read The Hobbit? <laughs> they wanted Redwall. They saw the mouse with the sword on the cover. I'm like, okay. And so Here we go. We started going through it and we read the first chapter and it probably took us like 30 minutes or so. And they're like, yeah, that was okay. And I said, okay. So do you like it? And they're like, I don't know. It's just kind of over their head. It w- and I said, well, do you want to read the first chapter of The Hobbit too? And they're like, okay. And I have that really cool green edition. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. They loved it really yeah so you know how like the dwarves show up like bilbo doesn't he's like got this very ordered life he doesn't really never does anything unexpected and then the dwarves show up after gandalf came and one dwarf shows up and then another dwarf shows up and then two dwarves show up you should have seen abby Every time a dwarf showed up, her eyes got so big. She's like, another one? And Evan's like, oh, it was so great. It, it warmed my heart as I'm reading it. I thought so, you read Redwall. No, no, no. That's the thing is I read both chapters. Oh. And then because of how much they liked Hobbit, we abandoned Redwall. Oh, wow. And now we're halfway, th- almost halfway through Hobbit. Wow. You, that's really good. Yeah. You're and cruising. It, and um, 
Well, we're reading like maybe four or five pages at a time right sure. before, you know, quiet time or just after right. quiet time in the afternoon. But um, it's been great. And so the other thing I found out is that I like to do like different voices for characters. And when we got to the trolls. Oh, boy. I started making this troll voice. And now it's like the thing. Like they, they Evan tries to do the troll voice and it's just abysmal. <laughs> um, but what's been fun is I've learned, I realized, oh, okay. So listener, here's like some helpful stuff for you. So I read Hobbit the first time on my Kindle right before I was falling asleep at night. I got through it and it was okay. And then I read the Lord of the Rings that way too. Tim, I got that really nice set from you a year ago of the fellowship. And I started working through book one, reading it on paper slowly while kids watch Paw Patrol or whatever. And it was a different experience. Like I really start, I really think I got more out of it going slow. This has been really, I love The Hobbit more than I remembered. And there's a lot of like moments as a parent that you could point out what just happened and say, think about this. So he gets out of the gob, he gets out of the Misty Mountains with the ring. He's safe. And then he makes this comment, but what about the dwarves who I was with? Now I have this ring and I'm invisible. Shouldn't I go and try to help them and see if they're still alive? And he, there's this tension. He doesn't want to go back in, but he decides I'm going to do it. And then I won't spoil anything else. But what's cool is I stopped and said, now, isn't that interesting? Like he's safe now. He finally got out of that, but he knows like his friends might still be alive. And so what should he do? He doesn't want to, but you know what he decides? He's going to go back. Now I'm not saying Tolkien's teaching my kids morals, but my kids are seeing, oh, that's like sacrifice. That's like unselfishness. So there's been a couple of moments like that where I actually was able to use the book to have a spiritual conversation, though I don't think that necessarily was the intent. So anyways, Hobbit's been really fun. And it's been, it's definitely, my kids are five and eight, almost six and nine. They have a birthday in a month. And uh, it's, it's worked out pretty well. I have to stop and explain things to Abby. Sure. And every time we start again, Abby's like, okay, so what's happened? And yeah. I have to like review it. Uh, but oh man, we just, they love it. I'm surprised she's following along. She's following enough, I think. Okay. I'm sure like she- like Evan, he, yeah, I could see him getting He's it. loving it. Yeah. He How keeps asking he like every day. He's, he's eight. He'll turn nine in February. Mm -hmm. So that's probably usually yeah. the lower yeah. end of the age bracket. But he's really enjoying it. And that's Abby loves, they want to read it. Yeah. Do, do you have fun with the pictures? Yes. They, that has helped a lot. It the, really the does. The pictures in that book really help mm -hmm. for Abby especially. Evan, mm -hmm. he could probably get by without him, but- I show him the pictures and it helps her to visualize what just happened at her age. And I think that's been really good. That's awesome. So I would recommend the Hobbit. It's, it's been a fun read. So especially if you can do a good troll voice, <clears throat> especially if you can do a good troll voice, I'm not going to make any troll jokes. I'm going to, oh I'm boy. deciding right now to make no troll jokes. <sighs> Come on, do it out of bounds. Do it, do it. So, uh, to quote Emperor Palpatine, one of the things I've been reading is it's a textbook that I use in one of my classes. That's boring. It is, but you shut your mouth. Tim. It is not. <laughs> oh, he trolled me again. You know, <laughs> so Dr. Cole, uh, which if I'm you're a, a faith student today. or a faith alum, you probably know Dr. Alan Cole. He said this once in a class and it kind of just like breezed past my mind uh, but thankfully I remember it. And now having the opportunity to teach you like, oh, that was actually really insightful. Like he makes a comment. Uh, I can't remember when it was, but he's like, you know, we don't just assign books 
to like make you read. Yeah. Like, this is a part yeah. of you learning. Like mm -hmm. we're, we're telling you to read something and we're wanting you to digest what we're reading. Like we're trying to teach you through you reading that textbook. Like there's a purpose to it there. And I, I will say if a professor assigns a book willy nilly and it's like has no purpose to it, that's not great. But, you know, we do assign books for a reason. Like there's things in them. And so I'm trying to brush up uh, on some classes for the spring and I'm kind of going back through the textbooks myself just to make sure I can clearly communicate, hey, this is why you're reading this is what I want you to get out of it. And so one of the books that I know admittedly is a very difficult book for students in one of my classes to read is Toward an Exegetical Theology by Walter Kaiser. And I think it's particularly difficult because there is a little bit of a generational gap in just the way it's written. I mean, he's writing it like 40, 50 years ago. He's incredibly intelligent. He's using phrases and words and ideas that most, you know, a lot of the kids in my, this class are second semester freshmen or sophomores. And so it's just, there's a, there's a gap in which, by the way, when you teach the Bible, which the class is principles of Bible teaching, there's a huge gap between you and the New Testament. So like, get used to it. <laughs> um, if you think you're going to teach the Bible and you can't understand something that was written 50 years ago, like, good luck. Um, <laughs> so there's this book called Four Loves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Horrendous. Um, but anyway, so I've been reading back through Kaiser and he just gives me so much motivation to study. And I, I feel like it would have been awesome to meet him, but there's, I'm going to read a quote. And he's talking about, like, he gives a very strong push for why, and, and no doubt about it, he is referencing people who are training for ministry. He's, he's talking about pastors and teachers. And I think when you get into teachers, like, there are a lot of women who will teach the Bible in certain settings in a church, but they won't pastor. At least we don't believe that. But so I, I think you can fit both genders into this. And he's talking about, like, why students of the Bible, preachers, teachers should learn languages, Greek and Hebrew. And he gives a very strong push for it. And we would all say you don't need to do that. I would say without it, you'll never unlock your full potential. You, you, you will still be adequate. You'll be able to do just fine. You're not missing out on something. But I think as a, as a teacher, as an expositor, it, it helps you definitively to outline and, and structure how you teach through things to see the, the line. and a good translation does that too, but it's, there's this something about going to the original and being able to see it there. I would say, especially in the old Testament, like in the Psalms, it's really helpful to look at that structure. But anyway, so he's, he, that's kind of the context of what Kaiser is saying. And he knows when he says that he's going to get this, like, Oh, really? I have to learn the languages. Oh, I have to study grammar and words oh like he he anticipates oh. that yeah but oh. as as all people in this room we've got a greek professor a hebrew and aramaic professor and someone who's taken all of those classes and subbed for a lot of them like that That's is right. that is a very typical response like <laughs> hey true. you need to study oh study why can't i just write some like flippant topical sermon that everybody likes and he talks about that like the, he in the introduction to his book he's like 
Every you're allowed one topical sermon a year, and then you must repent and not do it again. <laughs> like he says that in the opening chapter. That's horrendous. Every time you do the, Ooh. I think of that. That must be what what the trousered ape sounds like. You know who I think about when I say that, just because the tone is very similar. Who makes me think of Jonathan Fuller? Like, oh hey, like because okay. he kind of talks like that sometimes. I real, I that's funny. He just has a deeper voice like that. Jonathan Fuller. I don't mean this personally, but I thought you were gonna say Kevin from The Office. No, 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 no. <laughs> Jonathan is far more intelligent than Kevin. He's never spilt a bowl of chili in his life. <clears throat> Speaking of Jonathan. You know he has a chili cookbook now. Yes, he does. Okay, back to the book. Anyway, so here's here's the quote. So that, that's the context. He's talking about learning languages and studying hard. And he says, uh, let us relearn these definitions and the basic rules of grammar and syntax for the lives of men and women depend upon it. And you're like, Really? Do the lives of men and women depend upon my grammar? And what he means is, without your ability to take an ancient document, understand what the author intended, what it meant to that original recipient, and then bring that back across the interpretive bridge and, and tell people what that means in a modern context. If you can't do that, you are not able to communicate the truth of God's word effectively. Yep. And the one of the keys, one of the most uh, important ways that you will do that is to study the actual text. And if you are unable to do that or you are hindered from doing that because you don't know grammar, you don't understand your language or the language it was written in, you're you're creating barriers to giving people the truth that they desperately need. And um and so I, I just love that quote. Let us relearn the definitions and basic rules of grammar and syntax because the lives of men and women depend upon it. And I think I've, I've shared this story before, but uh, this is Natalie Fritz. Uh, when I was in high school, we were at youth group one this night. Is so good, listener. Just yeah. turn the volume up right now. Or down, depending on your perspective. Um, but uh, Don't turn it down. I, was, I think I was a junior or senior in high school, and I was in an English class. And I, we're just at the beginning of youth group, just kind of all the kids just bouncing off the walls type of a thing. And I made some statement about, oh, I have this dumb English assignment, blah, 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 blah. I hate English. And Natalie like rebuked me. She mom carded me. That's what this is. She she mom carded. And she's like, well, you better not hate English because if you're going to be a pastor, every sermon you ever preach is going to be in English. So you, you like, you better learn English. You're going to communicate God's word. And it's like, oh, but that's, that's accurate. And, and so I, I just, I was reading through Kaiser and it was just a great reminder of that need to like, if you're going to teach the Bible, we kind of like fantasize the teaching preaching side of it. Mm-hmm. But what never gets fantasized or propped up is like, yeah, I'm going to spend 20 hours in my office reading books. Yep. It's going to be great. Yeah. I'm going to look up the definitions of words. Oh, I'm going to diagram a passage. Oh, baby. It's like, a lot of fun. It is fun. I love to it. us. <laughs> Which love is it? Is it an affection? <laughs> anyway, yeah. But I, well, I just, it is familiar. I, that, that was a blessing to me as I was reviewing it. And, uh, and then, of course, he gets into his method. Is it a love or a like? Uh, I think it's a love. <laughs> Is there a difference? On a serious note, I will say that every year in Introduction to Bible Study, when we walk through observational principles yeah. and we talk about words, I go out of my way to prop up 
your English composition classes because of what you just said. Yep. And I, I would wholeheartedly agree. Um, if you've ever been in a tense conversation with someone and then in the middle of it, you realize, oh, they misunderstood what I said. Yep. And the entire issue is simply a miscommunication and think of the way it wrecked that moment of relationship. And now imagine trying to communicate God's word and miscommunicating it. So I like that at the same time, like we trust the Lord and he overcomes our weaknesses, but man, that's a good, that's a good reminder. I I really like that a lot. That's I've been reading through that and that other book, the art of teaching, which I'll have some nuggets from that at some point too. But so while I was preparing for these classes in the spring, that class principles of Bible teaching, I was creating some videos of like a tutorial of like, how do you do certain aspects of the preparation cycle? And, uh, everyone in the class teaches a Bible lesson from Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. So everyone does it. And I'm not necessarily looking for accuracy. I'm just kind of like, I want to see you teaching. I want to see like, are you really awkward? Do you like, um, 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 like all the time? Do you know, like how a passage flows? Like, do you have any sense of outlining or like what type of theological background do you have? Like just trying to get a, it's called a baseline lesson. Cause I'm just trying to get a gauge of where they're at. But they do that from Ephesians too. And so I, I do some tutorials from that passage. And so here's a verse. I was, I was doing a tutorial on like word studies. And so uh, Ephesians 2 verse 4, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us. And as I was making those videos, I pointed out, okay, so what words would you want to study from that verse? And this is ESV. And really the first one, you know, God, you could do a study on God, but that's kind of a pretty basic word. We kind of know what we're discussing there. The first word in verse four that kind of jumps out is rich. And so I was like, okay, so how would you start to study rich? And there's a lot of ways to do this. You know, the advanced level, if you know languages would be to whip open BDAG, or we've talked about it. You can triple click that guy in accordance and boom, there it is. Boom. Uh, But if you don't have that, you can jump online and go to like Blue Letter Bible or Bible Hub, and they will link to a bunch of uh, theological dictionaries and things like that. You can get like an interlinear and you can like see, oh, here's the word. And and so I actually did a tutorial video where I think it was using uh, Blue Letter Bible and looking on Blue Letter Bible without, you wouldn't really need any knowledge of Greek to do this. And then I did mine, which is like, oh, here it is in my Greek text and click it. Here's BDAG. And we got to the same exact conclusion. Um, but you, you know, you just have to know what you're looking for, but that word rich, what does it mean? It's, there's a literal sense to it, which is like literal riches. Like you have a bunch of possession, you have a bunch of money, like a very literal sense. And is that what's being talked about here? And well, do you literally have a pile of mercy? like you'd have a pile of gold? No. So it's where you get to the second definition where he's using the idea of a literal richness as a metaphor. Like as if I could, as a rich guy, have a pile of gold laying in my house, which I definitely don't. Um, uh, (laughs) Well, no no further comment. Um, God, like that rich man, is rich in this quality of mercy. And so you can see how it's using that metaphorically. And so I made this video about like, let's think about that for a second. What does that mean? You can, then you look at other cross references. It comes up later in the same passage, verse seven, so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace 
So it's rich in mercy, rich in grace. So you get, you start understanding what does he mean when he says this word rich? What is he getting at? And it's not, it's a very simple metaphor that he's employing. But as I did that, I was just really blessed. It's like, think about the characteristic mm-hmm. of God that he is rich. Like he's got piles and piles of mercy and grace. Mm. And, and he gives that to me and who I'm, I'm, I would not consider myself a overly compassionate person. I, f- I feel like at times I'm a very blunt, real, uh, my dad was this way too. Like he'd always say, call a spade a spade, you know, just say it how it is. And mm. like, you can do that. And my, my first reaction is not like, oh, that's okay. My first reaction is like, you're an idiot. And, which is not very merciful, not very graceful, not very compassionate. Nor kind. <laughs> yeah. All, insert all, all that, the yeah. virtues. Yep. But it's just, it's a blessing mm. to see, you see your own insufficiency in God's perfection. And what I am not, he is. And he is rich mm. in mercy. Uh, he over time and time again gives us what we don't deserve. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, it it doesn't give us what we do deserve, gives us undeserved favor. And so that, that's a blessing. That's just a little devotional thought to close our drinklings episode. Do you guys have any thoughts on that? I think it really connects well with, uh, the question, the email that Tim Pilcher sent in about what's God doing in your life. Uh, just reflecting again upon God's riches, the riches of God's mercy and his grace. Um, you know, we all go through times of spiritual uh, drought, and uh, however you, or wherever your spiritual walk is right now, as you even conclude a year and begin a new year, um, um, reflect upon God's grace and mercy. Uh, that's a great reminder, Carter. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Thinklings Podcast. We would love to hear from you. If you have any feedback, suggestions, or potential topics that you'd like us to discuss, you can contact us through our email, thinklingspodcast at gmail.com. Remember, don't let this conversation end with this podcast. Read good books, talk about them with your friends, and always continue to cultivate your mind. See you next time on the Thinklings Podcast.